Last week we kicked off a new series called Text Message. And the idea is that God has spoken a message through these texts. And last week we actually looked to see, well, how do we know this is the Word of God? That's what we looked at last week. Now, the Bible is like any other book. It's called, you may have heard it referred to as the Holy Bible. Now, there are many good books in the world, but the Bible is unlike any other book. It has supernatural power to change your life. Why is that? Well, because it's the Word of God. And last week, as I said, we looked at seven reasons, hard reasons, scientific, archaeological. You can go back and look at those, or you can pop on the website. And we spent some time drilling down the seven reasons we can know. Fulfilled prophecy was another one. That this is God's Word. Not just words in print, human ideas, but differentiated as the Word of God. Well, with that, we'll need to move forward in part two. And for many years, the, many people believed, and it was a prevailing wisdom of the time, that the universe had no beginning. In other words, it was eternal. But in 1920, a very famous scientist called Edwin Hubble discovered the universe was expanding. It was going like this, in all directions. Kind of like there was an explosion, and it just went boom. Now, at first... Einstein didn't believe that. So he popped over to my state, California, and he looked there and he saw the evidence that Hubble presented him. And he said, you know what? You're absolutely right. The universe is expanding. Now that was a very big problem. Because here's, Listen carefully. Where was the problem? Does anybody know where the problem was? If there was a beginning, what was before the beginning? And the conventional answer in science is nothing. There was nothing. There was no time. There was no space. There was no material. And what we saw is just a big boom. So if you kind of like rewind the video, it goes, you know, have you seen those that go backwards? It comes down to something called a singularity. So hold on. Before there was any time, space, or material, or matter, whatever created that was timeless, spaceless, immaterial, incredibly powerful, because it was, yeah, before that. So here's the thing. Something doesn't come from nothing. What caused that effect? And the effect was pretty big, the universe, right? So whatever caused that had to be even bigger, because the cause is always greater than the effect. Now, we know the Word of God was brought into the, uh, uh, brought the universe into being from nothing, because you can see on the screen here, Psalm 33 says, the Lord merely spoke. And the heavens were created. He breathed the word, and all the stars were born. That is almighty powerful. Boy, I wish I could speak and my garden was even weeded, let alone the creator. <laughs> That'd be awesome. That's power in that verse. And it's available to you through the word. Over and over, God speaks. He says, let there be light. And there was light throughout all of creation, traveling at 326,000 kilometers a second. When Jesus walked with the disciples, he brought people back to life by literally speaking the word. And there were widely seen and widely attested miracles. This is the power of God's word. Lazarus, come forth. Boom. 
kind of creates a stir, right? This is the power of God's word. Now, you and I don't have that power because we're not God. But God speaks life into people. In John 6, 63, Jesus says, The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. It's saying, when I talk, it's not just words, it has spiritual power. So God's words are not mere words. It's life. They're alive. And they can transform people. They can transform hist- uh, societies and they can transform history. Hebrews 4.12 says this, The word of God is living. It is active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrows, and it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. It can do the fine work that needs to be done in my life and your life. The word of God has the ability to point out what's wrong in my life. And boy, when I read it, it convicts me. The Holy Spirit uses the word of God to convict me. What's wrong in my life? What needs to be corrected in my life? It's like a highly skilled surgeon. It can cut to the exact spot, exactly what I need to get rid of the things I don't even want to do. So what do I need in my life? Probably the same thing that you need in your life. I need things to change in my life. I want to be more loving in what I do and in what I say. Maybe you're like me, then you've tried to try and change in your own power and your own self, and things aren't working out so well. But the Word of God with the Spirit can change what you cannot change by yourself. I like to think of it in the old days, we used to have an old car called a Holden. That was a big tank with a straight six in it. And you hop behind the wheel and you had a steering wheel. And my mum used to drive my brother's car and she almost used to have to jump on it to pull the steering wheel. It was so hard to steer. And when she used to stop, she used to grab the steering wheel and go, yank! And you'd, you'd push the brakes, and you were hoping like heck you weren't going to hit the car in front. Well, today, you don't, many of you young guys don't know anything about this, because you have something called power steering. And with one finger, you can turn the wheel. And with just a tap of the foot, you nearly go through the windscreen, right? So I think that's how like the Holy Spirit. In ourselves, we're, stop! Boom, we do it. Or, no, I don't want to go this way, no, I don't. And you can't turn the other way. But with the Holy Spirit's power in your life, You can do that. You can affect change far more than you can do by yourself. So let me give you a quote from a very famous guy called D.L. Moody. He says, The Bible was not given to increase just your knowledge, but to change your life. So here's the point for today. If you want to have your life changed, look into the Word of God. How does it change me? Seven ways. First one. First one is it create, recreates my life. The Word of God recreates my life. It gives me a whole new life because it transforms my mind. And the Bible says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Bible calls that being born again. You don't turn over a new leaf. You get a whole new life. You get a fresh start and the slate is wiped clean. James 1.18 says, He chose to give us birth through the word of truth. There's a new birth related to the truth of the word of God. Notice a spiritual birth, salvation, comes through the word of truth. Without God's word, the good news, you wouldn't know 
about the story of redemption in the scriptures, about Jesus dying on the cross for your sins and how to trust him. It will be unclear. You'd have a glimpse through nature, but it wouldn't be specific. God has a purpose for our lives. You wouldn't know about that without the Bible, without his word. Now, God is not silent. He knows everything about us, and he wants us to know him. Paul told Timothy, from a child, you have been known, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation. There's the link again. Scriptures and wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. There's another link. Now, often the Bible is compared to a seed that's planted like in your garden, but in your life, and it sprouts, and it begins to bear fruit, like the beautiful spring fruit that's coming through now. 1 Peter uh, 1.23 says, You've been born again, not a perishable seed, something that's going to die again, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. So it's central. God's word isn't just human words. It's alive, it's living, enduring. So as James says in James 1.21, humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Which can save you. That's not in your outline, but I think it's up here. So the word of God starts by recreating my life, but there's more to it. This is a big one. This week, there's a man that we know in our church who's dying. He has stage four cancer in five places. He's in a very weak position. Next to him, in the bed over there, there's a Maori gang member with a ponytail down here. That's no problem. Tats everywhere. And first of all, his heart, I was touched because I hear this little pitter-patter of feet and a little girl going, Daddy! And she was miles down the corridor but then he called out to her. And then that daddy, daddy got longer and stronger. And she came tearing and jumped on this guy with a little bottle, snuggled in, started drinking a bottle. And by the time I walked out, she was asleep. Anyway, this young guy got talking to our guy who right now is in a very serious condition. And he said to our man, he said, you know what, Roderick, I am sick and tired of looking over my shoulder as a gang member. I'm sick of tired, and I'm also over all the stuff. I'm mad about what people have done to me, and I'm guilty about the things I've done to other people. And Roderick, as bold as brass, said, well, would you want to be forgiven? And the guy goes, heck yeah. In effect, heck yeah. <laughs> and so Roderick, in his condition, goes, let's pray. So he prays. And he asked forgiveness for all of the 45, oh, excuse me, 40 years of times, the whole family's in the gang. His father started this in the gang. If I'm named it, you would know. And that night he went out with his mum, well, went out, went to the coffee shop in the hospital with his mum and told her, his mum, I have decided I'm done. I've become a Christian today, mum, and I'm going to go to church. And he told me afterwards when I talked to him, he said, Pastor Ian, if I don't have to have this lung taken out today, uh, tomorrow, I'll be at church on Sunday. So look out for him. He's a lovely man. His name's Lenny. The word of God has changed that man. Changed him. This relates to this point. The word of God eliminates my guilt. It's wonderful. I don't have to have guilt and shame anymore in my life. Because many people, just like Lenny, are stuck from the past that they can't seem to get over. Either people have hurt them, 
and they're resentful against that, or they feel guilty because they've done stuff to other people. Now, you know God doesn't want you to go through life with guilt dragging you down, because it does. Because the Bible says, famous verse in 1 John 1, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Romans 8, 1, there is no condemnation. That means zero, zero condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And so the Bible was given us to show us that we are cleansed from guilt. Well, how? Well, the word of God's like soap, like soap. I often, when I'm in the shower, washing my hair, Lord, as I clean the outside, would you wash me inside? Would you wash my mind? Cleanse my desires? The Bible says here in Ephesians 5.26, how does he do this? Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing water through the word. That's how he does it. So the word of God can, one, recreate my life. Two, it can, it can eliminate or eradicate my guilt. And number three, it activates my faith. It activates my faith. And that's important because many people aren't courageous. They're afraid. They're afraid of dying. They're afraid of loss. They're afraid of risk. They're afraid of things going wrong. So they don't walk confidently. They kind of shrink back. Now the good news is that God promises to raise our expectations. To raise your outlook. To to pick up your outlook. Romans 10, 17 says this. Faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Have you ever been in a place where you've heard the word of God taught and felt courage well up inside you? Well, you know, I can do this. I can do this. And that's the explanation of that is your faith is activated by the word of God. Now the word of God not only tells you what to do, it gives you the power to do it. It increases your faith and you're more optimistic. And I know for me, there's been many times in the big major decisions in my life, do I go that way, do I do this, do I do... Mm, 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 mm. Those are the times when, I've, when you get there, sometimes it is a bit nervous. But the word of God anchors me so I can make clear, confident decisions going forward. The fourth thing the Bible can do is it stimulates your growth. Stimulates your growth. Paul is talking to the people here in the city of Ephesus. He's about to leave them and you'll never ever see him again. This is it. In Acts 20, he says, I commit you to God and the word of his grace, which can build you up. There's the link. The word of God can build you up and give you an inheritance, something to enjoy. Among all those who are sanctified. An inheritance, friends, is what you get for being part of a family, and it's rightly yours. Now, when you trust Jesus for your salvation, not only do you become a believer, but you become a belonger and part of God's family. Next verse, look at, um, we looked at last week. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for four things. Four things. For teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that here's the purpose of the Bible, that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped. So turn that round. Reverse engineer that. If you want to be thoroughly equipped, if you do want to be thoroughly equipped, you need to be in the Word of God. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the purpose of the Bible is to help you live out the purposes and the plan of God for your life. It does four things, as we've seen there. 
teaching. It shows me the path to walk on. Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. It teaching it shows you which way to go. This way. Secondly, there it talks about rebuking. It shows me how we got off the path, how I got off the path. Whoops! Shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have said that. How about this one? Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and then you'll be slow to anger. That's straight from the scriptures. When I read that, I go, whoops, that's why things got a little testy. I was too quick to speak and slow to listen, and therefore my temperature went up too much. So the Bible teaches us the right path to go on, rebukes me, corrects, tells me how I got off the path, corrects me, shows me how to get back on. Okay, I need to do what the Bible says and I'll be back on the path. It corrects me and then trains me how to stay on the path. It's one thing having a flash fit at the gym. You know, I do it once or twice. Yeah, this is the right thing to do. But staying in the crease is the hard thing to do. But the word of God helps us with that. The fifth way God uses the Bible is to illuminate my mind. Illuminate my mind. Psalm 119 verse 130 says, Understanding your word brings light to the minds of ordinary people. Understanding your word. God wants to use his word to enlighten every one of us. And we get insight and wisdom when we look at God's word. Again, that verse I just quoted from Psalm 119 and 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. And by the way, Psalm 119 is a whole psalm about God's word. It's the longest psalm in the Bible. And it's all about the Bible. Here's um, a great verse to memorize from 119 verse 18. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. So when you come to the Bible, don't just grab it and read it like a novel. The first thing you should do is talk to the author and say, God, would you... As the author of this book, speak to my heart as I read it. Show me what you want me to know. There are many words synonymous for the Bible. In the Bible, it's called the law, the statutes, or the word of God. And this verse there is talking about the whole of God's word. Open my eyes and I see wonderful things in your law. The sixth way that God changes my life with his word, and this is a big one. For some of you sitting here today, it elevates my mood. Yeah. It elevates my mood. Because some of you really need your mood lifting right now. Maybe you're feeling a bit down. Maybe you're feeling a bit grumpy or irritable. Or maybe you're feeling like nobody cares. The more you're in this book, the more optimistic and less discouraged you will be. So friends, what that looks like is when you're feeling discouraged, you don't need to go to the movies or to listen to Dr. Phil or Jordan Peterson. You need a Bible break. You need to get into God's word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's Matthew 4.4. 4. Daily intake is important. God gave the Bible to encourage us. Where do you get that from? This next verse, Romans 15, 4. Everything that was written in the past 
was written to teachers so that through, notice this word, endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have what? Hope. We need, so let's reverse engineer that. You want some more hope? Then you need to look into the scriptures and get some encouragement, but you need to endure in that. That's how you get it. And you may want to circle those four words. Next time that you feel that you've run out of oomph, or you're feeling discouraged, or bewildered even, shocked, go to the Word. Read Dr. Luke or somebody like that. Why? Because God's Word has the power to change your life, and His encouragement and His love will lift you up. That's why, as Martin said earlier, every day... You need to spend a little time alone with God. You, O Lord, are the lifter of my head. Because in life, we can tend to droop our heads. We get beaten down with busyness, confusion, chaos, tiredness, fatigue. You name it. And it is. Our heads lit, a drop. And the Bible says of God, he's the lifter of your head. He's the one that brings hope. He is the only one that can give you constant hope because he's the counsellor who lives within you if you have accepted him as your Lord and Saviour. The word of God will renew and encourage you and he'll give you hope. Look at this, Psalm 119 verse 14. You're my place of quiet retreat. I wait for your word to renew me. Some of you need to be renewed today and you know that in your heart. And he brought you here so he could point you back to him. The seventh and the last way is it liberates me. The word of God liberates me. That's a word we don't use much, but it comes from the word liberty, of course. It liberates my potential. And this is important because here's the truth. Only God knows your true potential. Before you were even born, he had in mind what you were to do and who he to be, who... The whole deal. You yourself don't even know your true potential. Your parents don't. They think they do. Well, we produced you, yeah, but hold on. You don't really know me like God does. Because he's the one that made me. He knows your full potential. Your husband doesn't know your full potential. Your wife doesn't. Your boss does not. That's why I love the song that Ben was saying. There's a great theological truth in that. I am who you say I am. Not my boss, not my neighbor, or my stroppy cousin. I am who you say I am. That's important to know that. Because only God knows what you're truly capable of. So you spend time alone in God's word to get out of the boxes that other people try and box you in and put you in. Because only God knows how to fully unlock all the potential he gave you before you were even born. Right now, for most people, they live with the expectation and for the, uh, under the expectation and for the approval of others. And they worry a lot about what other people think. The Bible's got a word for you. And it says, the fear of man or constantly worrying about what other people think about you is a trap. Don't do that. Live your life for the audience of one. You please him, you've done well. 
growing up, maybe you heard things like, well, you can't do that, or you'll never be good at that. Why can't you be like your brother? You'll never amount to anything. Maybe you heard that. And you were told those kind of sentiments. That's not what God says, by the way. But the problem is you believe those statements. And here's my point. Your life can be limited by the words of others who don't know you like God does. Only God can unlock that potential and set you free because he's got the truth. John 8, 31 says this. If you continue, circle that word, continue, it's imperative. In my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. So hold on. Let's reverse that again. Do you want to be truly disciples of his? If you do, continue in his word. Then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. It'll unlock you, it'll liberate you, it'll set you free as God shows you the truth. And the other thing he'll do, the Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love sets you free. And the more you know God's love, the more bold you will be. So if you're lacking a sense of courage and conviction today, and you're feeling washed out, my best counsel to you based on the word of God which is I'm reflecting like a mirror what it says is go to the word of God so let me summarize would you like to have your life recreated some of you after it fell apart would you like to have your guilt eliminated for everything that you've ever done wrong back there Or for some of you, would you like to have your faith reactivated? So you're more confident and courageous to get on with the the plan and the purpose that God gave you in this life. Or some of you are kind of stagnated as a Christian. Would you like to have your growth activated? To move it, move it. To be spiritually balanced and mature. Or how about maybe you're facing some really challenging and confounding decisions. Would you like to have your mind illuminated? Or a big one. Your mood elevated because you feel pretty much down in the dumps. Or for some of you, it's your potential that needs to be liberated to become all that God meant you to be. If anybody's interested in those things, I know I certainly am. You've got to get into the Bible. It's the Word. And you won't find, by the way, I'll save you a bunch of pain, you won't find any of those benefits on Facebook or Instagram or TV or the Internet or even friends. So how do I gain these benefits? Three quick things and we're done. I've got to learn it. I've got to accept it, and I've got to do it. Learn it first. Number one, I've got to learn it. You can't do something you've never learnt. Right? It's a logical disconnect here. Jesus pointed this out clearly. In Mark 12, he was really clear about this. He said, your trouble is that you don't know the Scriptures. 
guilty as charged. Many of your troubles come from not knowing the Bible. Follow me on this. See, here's how it works. What you think is your problem is often not your problem. Your problem is often the response to the problem. And if you knew how to respond correctly to the problem, you wouldn't be making the problem worse. You'd be making the problem better. The Bible tells you how to act in every situation. Whereas my natural inclination is mostly wrong and gets me deeper in the weeds. When somebody cuts me off, which seems to have happened about 17 times last week. My natural reaction is to install a truck air horn in my car and blow them out the way. Which I have done once before in my past life. I used to drive trucks. Sorry. <laughs> when somebody hurts me, so when somebody hurts you, come on, what's your natural instinct? Hurt them back, right? That's how it works, which is completely the opposite to what God says. What does that do? Nothing, apart from escalate the situation. It's the exact opposite of human nature is usually what I find that God wants me to do. I want to hang on, he says, let go. I want to say, let go of something, he says, hang on. <laughs> I want to hurt somebody, and they say, love them. So you've got to learn from the Bible how it tells you how to respond, the path to stay on. I not only have to learn it, here's a big one, I have to accept it as my authority in my life. Let me be very honest with you. There are some things in the Bible I may not like, but I accept them. That's it. There are some things in the Bible that are very inconvenient. There are some things in the Bible I wish God had never said, but I accept it. You see, this is how that works. If I understood why God did everything he tells us to do, I'd be God. But I'm not, and either are you. It will be quite arrogant for me to say, God, I know you said this, but I think I know better. That will be the height of arrogance, actually. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says this, When you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it. You accepted its authority, not as the word of men, which has no authority, but actually as it is. The word of God, which is at work in you who believe. So you've got to learn it. You've got to accept it as the authority for God to work in your life. And then the third and final thing you've got to do is you have got to, got to, got to act on it. So tomorrow morning, you present at your doctor's surgery. And you tell him you have these symptoms. And he thinks long and listens hard. He says... I know what you've got. You need to take six of these a day. Do not forget. And you go, thank you, doctor. Thank you for the diagnosis. Thank you for the solution. You walk away, you don't take the pills. You have to act. You have to act. You have to follow through. It's not just a good idea to read the Bible. If you are truly my disciples, you will continue. Sorting out the wheat from the chaff. Act on it. Jesus said this in 1317, John. 
Now you know these things, so the knowledge is going to come first. You will be blessed if you, what's the next word? Do. Not if you know. Knowing's first, then you have to do. If you do them. You get blessed for the parts of the Bible that you do. When I do that, my life gets created. My guilt gets eradicated. My mood gets invalid. My faith gets activated. My spiritual growth keeps growing. I'm not stagnating. I get stimulated and my potential's liberated. And all these things happen when I learn it, I accept it, and I act on it. Let's pray. Would you pray with your eyes closed? And you don't have to say anything aloud, but just in your mind. Would you say, God... I want your word to be my authority. The authority of my life. And you can be honest. You can say, God, I haven't always liked it. And it doesn't always make sense. It certainly is not always convenient. And some of what you say, God, I've noticed isn't very popular today in culture. But Lord, I do know this. Truth is never changes. So I'm going to accept your word even when it doesn't make immediate sense to my finite mind because you never make a mistake. I want to learn it and I want to do it. Now today with every eye closed and head bowed, if you have never invited Jesus Christ to come into your life like Lenny did this week, all you have to say It's just in your mind to say, Jesus Christ, would you come into my life? Would you forgive me for my sin? I want to change the way I think about you and your word. I want to be born again. I want to learn to love you and trust you and follow you. Because I need you in my life. I want to go your way, not my own way from this day forward. And I want to be born again through the living word. Help me to understand you more, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.